this is the story that I hope you get the impact of it. It begins with a man, as we all know, a favorite story of ours and children, a fellow who is recruited by the prophet Elijah. And he becomes his helper, his minister. He, you know, washes the dishes and he hangs out with him for years. Upon then the time coming when Elijah is going to go up to heaven alive, he asked the young man, what can I do for you? And the young man says something that was, it took a lot of guts. I would like to have a double portion of what you have. Well, it's not that it was disrespectful, it's that it was mind-boggling. You want a double portion of what I have? He wasn't satisfied with being like Elijah. He wanted a double portion. Well, he said, you're asking a pretty difficult thing, but if you happen to see me when I go to heaven, perhaps your prayer will be answered. It was. We know that story. We'll discuss it further next week when we discuss the mantle and picking up the mantle and getting a double portion. But it begins in a very strange way, something that we need to see. Of course, as I said, we'll discuss it next week, but briefly, Elijah, Elijah is translated, his mantle falls to the ground. Elisha takes off all of his old clothing, signifying old life behind, picks up the mantle, as I said, in detail next week. But then, the men that were observing all this said, perhaps Elijah is still around. Can we go look for him? Elijah says sternly, absolutely not. He's gone up to God. But they insisted and insisted. And finally, rather than argue, he relents. Okay, listen, if that's what you want to do, go ahead, go search. And they do. Obviously, they do not find Elijah. They come back, and the story begins. And boy, does it begin. In Joshua, the chapter we studied last week, something rather unusual takes place, and I'm just going to rehearse it for you, where it is said, in every way, keep yourself from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed. And then when you take the accursed thing, you make the entire camp of Israel a curse. <laughs> God is saying, whatever you do, I'm about to curse this city. I'm going to destroy it. They're living in open defiance of me. They're the most rebellious, idol-filled, nasty, evil people, and I'm going to destroy it. Don't touch them, don't go near them, because you'll get cursed. That's how cursed I'm going to make them. Don't even go near them, because if you so much as touch them, the entire nation will be accursed. That is the level of cursing that God is about to pronounce in this city. And he does, but it continues. Then they burned the city with fire and all that was in it, and they brought the vessels iron and steel and silver and gold into the treasury. And Joshua charged them that time saying, again with the curse, cursed be the man before the Lord who raises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation of it in his firstborn son and in the gates will his youngest son be laid after that. Oh my goodness. The point to get is this were the people that were God's enemies, the worst of the worst, the rabble of the rabble. These were the ones, the city that 45 years before, the giants, we can't take it. And God finally had his way with them. He just destroyed and burned everything down to the ground. Nothing 
was left. Everything cursed by God. And as we studied, Achan, the poor sap who decided he wanted a wedge of gold in a Babylonian garment, he too then perished afterwards in the punishment, was killed and burned his fire, his wife, his children, and everything he owned. Point being, God's angry. Old Testament anger, fury to destroy evil, what typifies Satan. God wants to get rid of it and kill it. He did. What a story. But it continues. 500 years later, someone had the nerve. <laughs> Unbelievable. 1 Kings 16. In that day, Hiel, the Bethlehemite, built Jericho. Someone after that curse. Ah, that was 500 years ago. No problem. The land is beautiful. The city has potential. The area is wonderful. I'm going to raise it up again. And he does. In full, I mean, talk about rebellion. You can't get more rebellious than this. This is literally insulting and mocking and spitting at God. Literally. This is nasty, nasty stuff. When you study the body of truth, this is really bad. Jericho is wicked. And this guy decides enough time has gone by, I'm going to build it. And he does. And indeed, he laid the foundation in his firstborn son and set the gates of it in his youngest son, exactly according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua 500 years prior. Well, the curse took effect. The curse was real. God meant business. This guy figured he might get around it to get a better idea, and he did. And it ended up in the destruction of his children. The city was cursed. Indeed, 500 years later, cursed. Back to Elijah. After Elijah told them, do not look for Elijah, he's not here, he happened to come by a city, believe it or not, by the name of Jericho. It had been rebuilt, as we just discovered. And in this city, those men came back and say, you know, you're right. We looked for him. He must be in heaven. And then they realized, wow, we have another Elijah here, and it's Elijah. And he now possesses the office of Elijah. They get it real quick. They realize he's got the mantle. He's the man of God. But then the men of the city, the people that lived in or about the city, realize that Elijah is there. There is the man of God. And they approach him immediately and they say to him, Behold, the situation of this city is very pleasant, as my Lord sees. Hey, look at this. It wasn't so bad building this. Look how beautiful the city is. The location. Look at the buildings, the houses. This is an amazing place. Oh, but we have a problem. What's the problem? The city is pleasant, but the water is bad. That word bad... You cannot say the word evil or wicked strong enough to convey what that word in the original language means. Bad is not the word. Wicked, evil, horrible, the worst of the worst. I mean, just evil. That's what the water is. It's evil. And listen to this. And the ground is barren. That word is miscarriage. Everything miscarries. In other words, you build a business, it goes bankrupt. Your cow has a baby? No, miscarry. Your, your idea, your destiny, your dreams, they miscarry. They're supposed to. 
But I know I was supposed to do that. I know I was supposed to have that. I, I know it. I planned. I studied. I know it's supposed to work, but it doesn't. It miscarries. It doesn't come to full term. You can't have your dream or your destiny. That's what that word means. Jericho is under the ban of God. Jericho is under the curse of God. It is real. And a man who tried to prove it wasn't paid a sore price. And here, oh yeah, it looks good. It's horrible. Oh yeah, that look, that idea looks so fine. But it was bad water and it miscarried. So many people have lives that on the surface looks good. But yet, in reality, their dreams are miscarrying. Their destinies, their desires don't come about. They know. I know I gave birth to that. I know that's for me. But yet, something happens along the line. And it just doesn't work out. And some people are astonished. You've got to be kidding me. I knew that that stock would go up. How did it? How did? What? No way. Or that idea. I planned. I went to school. And my marriage was wonderful. What in heaven's name took place? They miscarried. That's what this teaching is all about. Because it's under the curse. And listen, when God curses something, it's not somebody cursing you. There's no way out of that. Or is there? Remember, we've been talking about the Jubilee, and we just read where the curse came from in the Jubilee chapter, where they blew the horns and the walls came down. So now, the water is poisonous and will not come to fruition in anything. It's bitter when it started sweet. It ends in a horrible way. And here is the solution. The prophet says, bring me a new cruise and put salt in it. And they brought it to him. They now became part of the story. There's personal responsibility in the kingdom. We are co-workers with God. And this story is about how to remove the curse when something was really meant to be, but then it went wrong. And the answer was simple. Bring me a brand new cruise. Now, if you have any sense of the Bible, you know where we're headed. Because that's where virtually every story in the Bible ends up. Bring me a new cruise and put salt in it. We are the salt of the earth, the Bible says. We have a covenant of salt with God. It's permanent. We are not to lose our saltiness. Bringing a new cruise is clearly bring me a vessel. Bring me, like the woman with the oil, go get me a brand new vessel. Go get me somebody unsaved. Don't go rob somebody from some other church, already a Christian. Get me a sinner. Get me someone that's under the curse and bring it to me. I want a brand new vessel. And then put the gospel in them. Put that salt of the covenant in them. Preach the gospel. Let your saltiness come out because you indeed are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, God says, Jesus Christ said, what good is it if it's not going to do its job? Why in heaven's name would you have salt in your cupboard if it's not salty at all? What would you use it for? For nothing, according to God. So here's the solution. They have to bear personal responsibility under that curse. But why in heaven's name would God do this to Jericho? Because look what happens. They, in fact, do bring the cruise. They bring the salt. And he went forth to the spring of waters, the source. And he went there and cast the salt in there and said, He spoke, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. 
and there shall not be from there any more death or barren land, no more miscarriages. So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elijah which he spoke. Wait a minute, we're talking about Jericho. Didn't we just read that the city was cursed? And God said, don't even touch it. And the guy who did died. And then the guy who built it up, his kids died. Didn't we just read that? Isn't this, aren't the waters horrible? So why would God reverse this horrible city? The worst of the worst. I'll give you a hint. The worst people in Israel were the lawyers that were also publicans. They used their power to rob everybody. It didn't matter if you were a widow. They would rob and steal and cheat to rob that house from a little old lady that didn't even have a son to take care of her. They would rob the last piece of land. They would take the last nickel from a 90-year-old or a 10-year-old. They were evil, the publicans, the worst. God cursed them openly. The only profession in the Bible that's cursed. There you have it. He was wrought with anger with these people because they would use their power to enrich themselves and hurt others. So where does Jesus go? He finds the worst one of them all. His name is Zacchaeus, the worst one of them all. And he says, you know what? I'm coming to your house for dinner. Guess what city Zacchaeus was from? Of course, you know, Jericho. So God goes to the worst man, to the worst city, cursed under the ban, a horrible individual, to go have lunch, to preach the gospel and get the guy saved, and he does. We serve a strange and peculiar God who seems to delight in forgiving and saving people, who seems to follow his own jubilee law like nobody else does. And Jericho, you're going to get the hint, where we started in Joshua chapter 6, where the walls came down and the curse was pronounced, something else took place that flies under the radar. The horns, the horns, the Yobel horns, the horns of Jubilee were singing a song that day. For seven straight days they heard the horn. On the seventh day, seven times they heard the horn. Guess who else heard the horn? Jericho. Jericho, cursed and banned, also heard the horns of Jubilee which the principle is, after a certain season, I will not continue to punish you. I have had enough. I can't take seeing you punished. I don't care how evil you are. There comes a moment where God says, enough is enough. And here you have the evil city of Jericho under the curse of God himself. Now, being miraculously restored because of the laws of Jubilee, that this city heard even though it was its downfall it was also its rising can you hear that god can use your wonderfully wicked circumstances to promote you see you think he could never do that that's his business he takes the evil the lemons and turns them into lemonade all things work together for good for them that are called according to his purpose some now he can take your mess and say i can find something good and do something good with that no matter how messed up we are even under the ban a curse god says yeah yeah but i'm gonna blow the horn of jubilee and i'm gonna raise up this city and fix it and the bible says that unto this day and it's true 
You can go drink those waters today. Unto this day, the waters are clear and crystal and perfect in the city of Jericho. Can you imagine the goodness of God? If he can do this to Jericho, what would he be willing to do for you? What would he be willing to do for us? If we would only understand, we bear personal responsibility. They had to. They were responsible. There was a requirement. And it was a requirement. You have to go get me, the Lord says, a new vessel, a cruise. You've got to bring me a brand new vessel. And you have to put salt in it. And so many Christians think that's not their responsibility. They think this is wonderful. I got saved. I get blessed. I get the protection of God in Psalm 91. This is a wonderful experience. Why not keep taking? Ah, then we don't understand what the double portion was for. We don't understand. Listen to this secret. And you have to get it. You have to hear the impact of this. During the time of Elijah, the first one, it was among the most evil times in all this earth. It was Ahab and Jezebel and what they did to people and how they acted was vicious. As we said before, evil. Ahab typifies Satan himself, the most perfect type of Satan in the Bible. It was during this time that the rebellion grew and Jezebel even tried to assassinate the prophet Elijah. This time where rebellious people were, there were animals sacrificing their own children. There was nothing like this period of time. It was, it was horrible, unthinkable. And God had enough. You would think, you would think, after all of this horrible behavior, the next prophet, double portion, because what Elijah did was pronounce judgment over and over again. Elijah was a rough guy. Constantly, you, you're going to be cursed. I mean, this guy was nothing to mess around with. And you would think, constantly fighting evil, constantly pro pro promoting justice and judgment, the double portion. Good Lord Almighty, what's going to happen? The wrath of God is going to explode. Nothing of the kind. Amazingly, amazingly, astonishingly, the answer of God to this horrible period of time in human history was to, yes, give Elijah a double portion. But a double portion of what? Because this man came to heal, to nourish, to fix, to encourage. Yes, he got a double portion. But this is the man of miracles in the Bible more than any other prophet. This is the man of healing and resurrection life more than any other prophet. This is the man who came in goodness. God's answer to evil was, I am so angry with you that I'm going to send you mercy and grace and I'm going to heal you. Can you imagine the ways of God? And it, it shocks people. They don't understand this wonderful Jesus. They really don't. They don't understand how exactly wonderful and magnificent he really is. How he could bear all of our sins and say, don't you dare punish them. Punish me instead. How he can stand in our stead and say all of that ugliness, I will take for you. Why? Because I simply adore you. And I am God. I am, not, I am unlike you. My ways are not your ways. I bring grace and mercy in abundance. And the Lord Jubilee, where if Jericho can be restored, what person could not? If only we would believe. However, however,
It requires personal responsibility. If they would not have brought the crews, the prophet did not do that. If they would have not understood the soul, he did not do that either. They had to do exactly and obey. The irony of this is, they had just not obeyed. He told them extremely sternly, extreme firmness, don't go search for Elijah. And they did anyway. And now after not finding, they do an about face. Well, they have no water in a land that needed water. And this time they obey. Whether they liked it or not, they obeyed and got the crews. If only Christians would realize why you are a Christian. If only you watching whatever country you realize why you were born there and what your assignment from God is. The Bible says that everyone is an ambassador for Christ. Everyone has to partake of the Great Commission. Everyone is to be filled with the Holy Spirit to witness to other people. We are the body of Christ and we were meant to do what the body did. Only, only he sent them two by two throughout the entire Bible. Elijah, Elijah, Moses, his brother Aaron, Joshua, Caleb. Over and over again you see it two by two. So where's Jesus to? If only we would see it. God sent him two by two. He sent Jesus and then he sent us as the body of Christ. If I tell you, if you want to end all of the curse and make the water in your life delicious forever to this day, if you want to, maybe you've had some bad water as we discussed, everything seems fine, but in the end I can't drink that. I, I'm sick and tired of drinking that life. And every day that cup is being poured to me and I'm fed up with that wa bad water. Can you imagine if he changed everything in your life and everything was sweet? Now here's the irony of it. I don't think you make water good by putting salt in it. I think if you put salt in the water, you make the water worse. Yeah, that's not exactly my idea of drinking salty water. So what is God doing here? It's another miracle. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that you think that can't be, that can't work. Oh, yes, it can. Why don't you try bringing God a new crew? Why don't you try coming to church with a brand new sinner sitting right next to you and say, God, pour salt in this guy. And let's see what happens to the waters in your life, ladies and gentlemen.